Hey, good people. This is your N.I. Dom back with another reflection. And this is a personal journal for contemplative people looking to think, grow, and have impact in the world. So, hey, mood, musings, and mysteries. Let me say that again. Moods, musings, and mysteries. Those are three words that um, is coming from texts that I've been reading about consciousness. And um, that's a quote from the author. Oh, excuse me. Those are three words taken directly from the author. And um, it strikes me as really salient, I think is the word, relevant for this current project. And so I'm jumping on finally to talk to you all about season four. So as of February 1st, we started um, season four, and I launched season four with two reflections that I did over the break. Really, it was like the last week of the break. And my intention was to release those two reflections and then do a season four reflection just to say, okay, we're in, to officially say we're in season four, and here's my focus, and blah, blah, blah. But honestly, I have still been struggling with how to frame season four. So in one of those episodes, those break, those episodes that I recorded over the break, I think I call them a, a pre-season bonus episode or something like that. I don't know which one it is, but I said, um, I've, over the break, I really spent a lot of time thinking about season five. So I jumped from season three to season five. And just for whatever reason, felt really compelled to consider this project as a, as it relates to the next step, but not season four. So we just ended season three. I'm now thinking about season five and struggling with season four. And so you, you would wonder, you should, I'm wondering, what makes me go from season three to season five in my mind? Like what is significant about season five? Um, how do I say it? What is it about, what is it that I want to do in season five that I don't feel like I can do in season four? That would be a reasonable question. And so I, I want to process that a little bit, just a little bit. But I think, I think as I have been really, really wrestling with this, the skipping that I did from season three to season five, like there's a definite skip that I can, I can see it. But I can't really explain it. I can't really, I can't fully explain it. Um, I've also been studying consciousness and um, other, some other, um, otherworldly content. I've said this to you guys already. And consciousness really isn't other, is not otherworldly unless you consider otherworldliness an object of consciousness like what allows us to consider phenomenon that's not um, connected to this to the physical understanding or our physical reality or the world that we consider a reality um, so what allows one to consider otherworldliness um I'm going to connect it to consciousness. 
I don't know why, and I'm probably not going to be able to explain it. So in this particular reflection, my starting point, my starting point is moods, musings, and mysteries. And I'm going to try to use those three concepts to explain season four. Mm -mm, That's not true. I'm going to use those three concepts to explain this project. And hopefully, hopefully to get some clarity about season four. Let me try this one more time. I'm going to use those three concepts, moods, musings, and mysteries to explain this project and where I wanted to go for season five. In the process of explaining where I wanted to go for season five, I'm going to cross my fingers (laughs) and hope that I can explain, create some kind of clear focus for season four. That's my starting point. If you are following, if you've been following me, you know that my starting point I'm not locked into it. It's just where I am conscious right now. It is my consciousness. It's how I'm entering the reflection and I give myself permission to move about as my curiosity dictates. And then by the end of the reflection, I try to bring it all together in some kind of cohesive format and make meaning for you, the listener, and give you some kind of assignment, right? That's kind of how I've been rolling. That is my desire. But I always leave room for a but. <laughs> so, you we are officially in season four, whatever that means. <laughs> so, we're gonna try to we're gonna try to play around and figure some of this out. Um, before I do my disclaimers, let me just say this: if you are n- not at all interested in me talking about this project or seasons, right? Like, you know. Like, I mean, who wants to come and listen to a project about a project? Excuse me. Who wants to come and listen to a podcast reflection about a podcast? (laughs) Right. So, but I do encourage you to hang in here because if you know me, even though that's the starting point, I am going to move around and there will, I would imagine there will be some goodies or semi goodies located here and so don't let this idea of a season four um discourage you all right and if it's terrible you'll never hear it because then i'm not going to release it okay all right i am recording this on a saturday morning it is um february 6th i believe yes it is and it's 8 30 in the morning okay if you are new to this project, this is a personal journal where I process my inner and my outer worlds. I do so by using personality theory. Um, the two that I use the most are Myers-Briggs and in the Enneagram. Pushing those two systems together, I identify as an INTJ8. I also identify as an African-American woman from a lower socioeconomic background and from intergenerational trauma. I profess to be a critical race feminist because I find it to be the best way to get people to understand and make room for my sensitivity for power, social power, as relating to social constructs such as race, gender, 
sexuality, and class. This project is unedited and it's unscripted. If you want to know more about what I'm doing and why I am doing it, feel free to go to my website, which I need to update, by the way, at yournidom.wordpress.com. All right, y'all, let's get started. Let's try to do something with this reflection and talking about season four as relating to moods, musings, and mysteries. Um... Let me just talk a little bit about that. Um, so I'm reading this text about consciousness, and I believe this is a text that I um, purchased. You know, I don't know when I purchased it. It could have been five years ago. But I remember really opening it up to read it in 2018. And um, I think this is a book because, if I'm not mistaken... And I'm not ready to give the title yet or the author because this is a topic that I'm going to linger in for a while and I'm pretty sure I'm going to linger in it. Well, I would imagine I'm going to linger in it, but I don't know. Uh, So I'm just going to be led to... um, I want to feel like I can linger in in the text without having to have fidelity to the text. Um, until I'm ready to have fidelity to the text, right? Like, cause I'm still in the process of trying to consume that text. Uh, it's a, it's a rich text for me. And it's one where I've had to go and find articles and read other people's interpretation and understanding of the text. Cause I'm like, what? Wait, what is he saying? Why is he saying that? You know, so it's just a lot for, I'm processing it. And while I'm processing it, I don't want the pressure of trying to have a level of accuracy when right now that's not my aim to give you the text. I'm really just trying to understand it. But at some point this season, or at some point I will come and share with you, this is the text and here are my, here's what I think the bottom, bottom takeaway is. All right. So I do believe that's going to happen. If, if it doesn't and I forget or something, you can always just message me and be like, yo, can you, Remember you said you were going to do something? You remember you were going to give us the name? <laughs> or you going to give us the bottom line? You haven't done that yet. And so feel free to, to 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 send me that reminder. But anywho, so I'm reading this text that I've had in my... Um, and this is the other problem with the text. I don't have it in a... T- I don't have it as text. I have it as audio text. And there is some... There's some reading that I can take in and make meaning out of it just by listening. And... I listen to it. Sometimes I listen and then I take notes. And then there's some text that I literally have to see it in word form in, in front of me. And that can be um, in a digital text. Did I say digital text already? Or I said audio text. So I can do uh, a book, like a digital form of a book, and uh, and do highlights. And I, I can roll with that. But my the ultimate level of intimacy that I can have with text is through a book like print paper and more than likely that's how I've been conditioned to interact with text so when I look at um, students or teachers who are 30 or younger their relationship to text is very different from my relationship with text and that's I would just imagine it's the way I learned and what feels the most familiar and the most intimate for me. And for me, that's 
paper. But I remember when I went from reading paper text to um, digital text and then audio text. Um, it was hard, but I have. So I, I, don't, I have a number of books in audio format and in digital format. I'm just fine with those texts. I feel like I've been able to go inside of those texts, pull out from those texts what I need, and I'm okay. And then there's some text that I got either through audio or um, digital, and I had to go and buy the paper copy because I needed to get have a, uh, a deeper level of intimacy with it in order to really get from it what I thought was there for me. So anywho, this particular book that I'm reading is um, audio, so I'm taking it in via audio, okay? And um, there's a lot of rewind, like, oop. And, I, and this is the other thing when I'm listening to audio text. I'm not just sitting there with a pen and paper. Things would be easier probably if I would just hit the play button, get a pen and paper, and take notes. But I'm not. I'm taking in that content, washing dishes, shoveling snow, walking the dog, and... I can do that with a lot of text, but not this text. It's pretty, it's not, I don't even think it's dense. It's, it's, it's abstract and it's requiring a prior knowledge that I don't have. So the book is written for people who have some basic knowledge on, in different disciplines like anthropology, archaeology. Um, I don't have that. Now, if you, you start talking about neuroscience, that's, I have a little bit of that, you know, just as an educator, but, um, even literature, like he draws upon um, ancient, well, ancient or earlier text. And so because he's using these other disciplines to make an argument about consciousness, um, I have to first understand those, um, those rocks that he's using to make the argument. So instead of me focusing on the argument that he's making, I've got to understand like the piece, the components that he's using to make the argument. So it's a lot. It's a lot for me, at least. So, um, you know, I'm hitting the rewind button. I'm doing it over. I just think that's just going to be a text that I consume over and over again. You guys know my book I listen to. Well, not the book I listen to. I have a book on the Enneagram. It's like the Bible for me. I reread it over and over and over again. Um... Because every time I read it, something new pops up for me. So I I would imagine that this text about consciousness is going to be similar. I might go and purchase it as a hard text so that I can, like, put my hands on the words, you know. But anyway, <laughs> so anyway, I am uh, just taking this information in about consciousness. Oh, this book that I purchased and I started reading it in 2018. And if I'm not mistaken, it, if either this book or I have another book about consciousness where they talk about the relationship between language and consciousness, that words actually generates consciousness. And I have not been able to shake that idea ever since I took that information in what is it now, four years ago, from 2018. So I'm back picking up this book. This book that I have, I didn't start from the beginning, even though I was like, you don't even remember what those first two chapters are about. But I was like, you know what, just hit play from wherever you left off. Um, and that's what I've been doing. And so in the text, in the book that I'm, the part of the book that I'm listening to, he was, he's 
where I started off at least, he's talking about what consciousness is not. Instead of like starting off by saying this is what consciousness is, he goes through a series of uh, events that many people mistake and call consciousness. And he makes an argument, nope, it's not that, it's not that, it's not that, it's not that. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's really good. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think that's good. Um, like one example is consciousness is not thinking. Not thinking. It's not cognition. Whoa. Like that's big. And, and you guys see, this is why I'm not ready to give that, give this to you as information, because I could be wrong, but I believe. But what he says, if this is what I do remember him saying, a lot of the things that we assign as consciousness utilizes consciousness. So there is a part of thinking that uses consciousness. But thinking as a, process in and of itself is not consciousness that's interesting to me y'all <laughs> then you'd be like and you only have two plays on this particular episode <laughs> so it's interesting to me I still haven't figured out what what your interest is and I'd love to soon really get to a place where I can give you guys a survey so you can give me some feedback on which what what of my contemplations um, are you most drawn to so that I'll better understand? Okay. But anyway, so, so it goes, this, this author goes through a list of things that he says, nope, it's not this, it's not this, it's not this. Um, but consciousness might be used to, to, um, to do those things. And so a metaphor that he uses to make this argument that while you might think, while, why you might think thinking is consciousness. Why you think thinking is consciousness? Because you need consciousness to think. So he uses a metaphor of a flashlight. A flashlight being on. And anywhere that that flashlight goes in a dark room, there's going to be light. Anywhere that the flashlight aims its direction. Any spot in the dark room in which the flashlight points, there's going to be light from the flashlight which will give the impression that consciousness is light. Or it will give the impression that, yeah, I guess, I guess consciousness is light if I'm going to use the metaphor correctly. But it's only light based on that focus. What about the rest of the room? The rest of the dark room, is there no consciousness there? So is consciousness fixed on a single, is consciousness related to focus? And then anything is not, that you're not focusing on, is that not consciousness? I don't know. I, you guys, I'm going to have to play with this because like I said, I'm still trying to figure all of this out, okay? So, um, I'm sorry about that. So anyways, at some other point in the text he's talking that caught my attention is that consciousness is like the tip of the iceberg. But there are all of these other things happening in the sea. There are all of these 
mental functions that are happening in the sea. We become aware of those things through consciousness, but in the absence of consciousness, those things still occur. Those things are still occurring. I'm going to have to come back and do a part two because I already feel like I'm contradicting myself. I can already hear it. I can already hear it. But we're going to hang in here because I'm human. <laughs> and I'm trying to make sense of this text. Um, oh, God, I just lost what I was going to say. Hold on one second. I don't know exactly where I was going, but um, one another thing I wanted to pull out from the text is that and I haven't gotten to the part of the text where he really describes what consciousness is. So that's probably why I'm struggling. I did go and read, like I said, some other texts about his book that explain his treatment of consciousness. But I haven't read it from his book myself. So I think that's why I'm, I'm feeling a little wonky right now. Um, but in the text, in the part of the text that I am, I have consumed, he spends a lot of time talking about consciousness and liking it to and some kind of internal process. It's the internal landscape, being aware of an internal landscape, being able to go inside of that internal landscape. Um, and isn't that what I do in this project? I hit the record button and I start talking out loud what I am experiencing internally. Whether those are moods, musings, or mysteries. That's really the essence of what I'm doing in this, in this personal journal. And it's what I do in my private journal. I don't spend sometimes in my private journal if I'm if there's a theory that I'm that's forming in my mind, I might flush that out in my private journal and do a diagram. But for the most part, my journaling isn't for me to process information. It's not. I don't think so. It's not even for me to put together put together concepts and ideas, although there are a number of thing number of things that I have produced in the world that originated in my in my journaling. A lot of my poetry has come from journaling, but you know, by the way. So I don't know, I really like this idea and I got this from another text, uh, so I have not yet heard the author say moods, musings and mysteries, but in an article about him where they quoted him, that was the quote. I was like, oh, that's good. So sometimes I hit the record button because there is a mood. But then I want to spend some time unpacking what is a mood? What does that mean? Is it an emotion? Is it a state of thinking that gives them? I see moods as a state of thinking that gives that might emit an emotion. But I don't know. I'm going to have to study that word. Musings, randomness. You guys know I'm like, oh, I'm going to fall into a rabbit hole. Let me go open up in my mind. Let's see what door it opens. We're going to open up this door. Now I'm in that room. There's another door. Oh, let's go to that door. I'll go in that door. There's another room. Oh, there's a corridor with many other rooms, you know. 
and uh, I saw one of the somebody on YouTube uh, did a reflection and a I keep saying reflection. Somebody on YouTube did some content about if your mind had if you could create an image of your mind, what would it look like? And they projected they presented like a room full of like a corridor of, of doors. And I'm like, well, I've described that, <laughs> you know, I have described that. Um, yeah. And you guys know, I'm very curious about my presence in the internet, in the world, in the internet world, right? Me opening up my own musings, my thoughts, my introspections and putting it out there. Anybody can listen to it. And then also consuming content from other people who don't always talk about the etymology of or the impetus of their thinking. They don't talk about the impetus of their thinking. They don't talk about uh, the credit, like they don't legitimize their thinking, like uh, what qualifies them to give this information. They just don't do it. So, I think those are two very uh, reasonable points that there are people out there giving content. They're being that 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 idea. Those ideas are coming from somewhere. They don't share that where it's coming from. It's coming from somewhere. Even it's coming from somewhere, and sometimes you don't know. But I think when you're giving information, either you're going to say this is where it's coming from, or this is how I'm qualified to have these thoughts independently. Right. But no thought is really independent. But nonetheless, we can pretend like it is. But right alongside of that is that I am out in the world putting content out and I don't have a lot of followers, but I have made content. Excuse me. I have made contact with many of these um, with many of these content generators. And I've been thinking about that on my over my break. Why do I make content with people that I'm never going to be in relationship with? And it, a lot of it just relates to if I'm going to be consuming your content, I just am going to talk back to you, not talk back in a negative way. But I, if I'm taking in your content, I'm going to share with you my reaction to your content. It's pretty simple as that. But then I realize when I make contact, those individuals may not have any commitment to engage with their with the people who are on the receiving end of their content may not even matter to them and that's their prerogative but I think it stirs up it stirs in me my own worldview my own convictions about what does it mean to be human and and around power so if I am only able to give you information and deposit information in you and I have no regard for how my information lands on you and what you're thinking about that denotes a positionality of power we're not going to go into my social science realm but that's what it denotes for me which is oftentimes why I say to you guys at the end of my reflection hey you guys if my randomness has created any randomness in you I would love to hear it because I understand that's how the human experience works that's how the brain works. I'm talking, you're listening, you're thinking. You have your own independent thought process, your own agency. And there is a connectedness between my voice, my thoughts as channeled through my voice, through this medium, 
into your head as you start thinking. And although I don't like to be intrusive and like, like you have to come contact me and tell me your thoughts. No, not at all. But, but I am highly aware that we have that connection. I may never meet you. I may never talk to you. But I'm aware that we have a connection. I'm talking. You're not just taking in my thoughts. You're having your own independent thoughts. As in, well, I shouldn't say independent thoughts. You have, you're engaged in your own thinking that is instigated by my thinking. And I, I always say I'd love to hear it. I'm just fascinated by it. So I, because that's a value that I hold for myself and my work in terms of being an educator. I don't know if it's the educator in me or the social scientist in me. I'm not sure. I assume the other people hold that. And they don't have to. And they don't, you know. Um, I've been doing a lot of reading. This is a random point, but I'm going to insert it here. I've been also doing a lot of reading for my job about white supremacy as relating to organizations. Now, organizations by nature are conservative because organizations need to exist. So in order to exist, they have to preserve themselves. In order to preserve themselves, they have to be conservative, right? So it would make sense. So there are these processes and um, yeah, processes, can, uh, conditions, these events that allow for the preservation of an organization. And inside of that preservation process, um, would be tenets of white supremacy. And, and I think mainly, mainly because of the people who are responsible for building the organization. And when you think about preserving, what does it mean to preserve? What does it mean to preserve a thing? What is being preserved? Why is it being preserved? Preserved, right? And this is where you get the idea of white supremacy and all of that which is a very loaded concept, right? Makes people very uncomfortable. So as I've been reading about white, white, excuse me, excuse me, white supremacy at the organizational level, what I'm also uh, prepared to do is take strip white supremacy from the conversation. So I want to present this information about how organizations preserve themselves through these tenets of white supremacy without ever saying the word white supremacy. So, for example, one of the tenets of white supremacy is um, the worshiping of the written word. This is All of this is going to connect to this concept of consciousness. Oh, my gosh. The worship of the written word. So if it's not written down, it's not valid. Well, how that connects to white supremacy is who... Who controls the written word? Who controls the rules of the written word? Who has access to learn those rules? Who has access to practice and perfect them? And who has the jurisdiction to then evaluate how well someone else is handling those, uh, the written rules, right? It's the same, mainly the same people. <laughs> so, so talking about that, Without ever saying white supremacy would make would create a robust conversation. The moment I say white supremacy in that discussion, it's just good. People are going to shut down, right? So I want to say I'm preparing to have a, a facilitated conversation within the organization to say, okay, what role does the written text and our fidelity 
and our centering of written text, what role does that have in the life and the success of this organization? Likewise, what would ha- what happens with people who don't master the written text, who don't have access to it, who don't master it? What is then their relationship to the organization, right? And that's the way I'm going to approach that. So I'm in the process of chewing on that. The reason why I brought this up is because there's another tenet in white supremacy as it relates to organizational culture, and it's around how you value a thing. When a thing is valued and legitimized, it is around quantity. How many, so if you're, um, if you're academic, how many, how many papers have you published, right? Um, what are your test scores? Um, how many followers do you have, right? A lot of that, and I don't fully, I haven't fully like I can really understand the relationship between this idea of worshiping the written text and how that correlates to white supremacy. I got that. I haven't yet figured out why new the quantity is an issue of white supremacy, other than the fact of who has access to quantity, who has access to that. So oftentimes, like uh, in my industry, in education, they're always saying best practice, you know, if a teacher is doing a thing, they're going to be evaluating. Is the teacher doing something in that classroom that is proven? Is it research proven? Is it best practice? And I always come back to say, what legitimate, how does one take their practice and, and constitute it as research driven? The research driven the research process requires an investment of time and money and talent. And who has the who what group has more of an abundance? Not all people in that group. So if you listen to me and you're white, you're like, I don't have it. <laughs> right? And I completely get that, right? But as a generalization, as a group, what group has more access to time, talent, and treasure or money. So I also, when, I, when I'm really in my primary work, I don't even say white. I say the racial elite. Because really it could be a person who's purple. It doesn't even have to be the person that's white. But whoever is the racial elite and all of these systems are then instituted to preserve that elite status. If there's a hierarchy and you're at the top and you're orange and polka dotted, you're going to put in systems to keep your, especially if that position gives you comfort, treasures, you're going to try to preserve it. To me, that's, that seems natural, unfortunately. So anywho, I brought that up because this, and this goes into season five. Or this is going to be a segue to be talking about season five. Um, one of the things that I'm finding increasingly difficult as I become, okay, a couple of things have been happening in this project for me. I have become overwhelmingly comfortable with some discussion points that a year ago 
I was completely ashamed of. I was ashamed of. I was afraid of it. And I don't have those feelings at all. I'm very thankful to this project. And knowing that there are people, and I've said it, and they keep coming back. Now, maybe you're coming back and you're laughing at me, right? Who knows? You might have a watch party. Like, listen to this chick. Let's just talk about how insane she sounds, right? Maybe that's happening. <laughs> but in spite, it's all the same. I've become more comfortable. Part of that comfortness, comfortability, or it comes from just the rip repetition of saying a thing, right? Saying it on repeat, saying it in a more efficient way, saying it in a clearer way, and getting comfortable with saying it. And then the other piece of it is that there are people who are listening to it and they keep coming back. So you guys have been really amazing for me in that way. I may never meet you, but you've just so you know, you've been following me. That's what you've done, right? There are some things that I just can be, I'm very confident and comfortable talking about that a year ago I was not at all. So I'm at a place now where I'm ready to take those talking points and integrate them into my primary work. This project is under an alias. I'm not foolish to believe that people couldn't find out who I am. That's okay. I mean, I, I want to keep this project separate from my primary identity just because my primary identity up until this point has had a different focus. And I just don't want those worlds murky, particularly as an educator in terms of what's research proven. This fascination that I have with uh, mysteries, right? Musings and mysteries. There's not a lot of room for that in the in my industry, Right, so then I'm like, well, I don't want to have to explain that. I don't want to, have to explain. It. I don't want to defend it, and I don't want it to water down my brand. However, because I've become more confident and comfortable through your NI Don project, I actually am ready to take the mood, the musings, and the mysteries to my dominant, to my primary identity, to my primary work. I'm ready, actually, you guys. And that's what season five is for me. I believe at season five, I'm going to be able to take a lot of, a lot of these musings, these moods and these mysteries, and it's going to be located in my primary podcast or in my primary world. Well, if I do all of that in my primary world, what's the reason, what's the need to do it here? Right? So season five is as I see it now, it could change, but as I see it now, season five is going to be pared down even more. I went from 100 episodes a season down to 50 episodes a season, and I think we'll see, but I want season five to start being 25 episodes a season so that I have time to pick up and go back to my other podcast and start transferring that over. So one reason why I want to transfer it over in season five is because I really want to like, I think there are a lot of goodies in the moods, mysteries, and excuse me, the moods, musings, and mysteries. There are goodies here. And I think that there's work that's needed in education, particularly in the populations that I serve, in the work that I do, that needs those, it needs those moods, musings, and mysteries. 
I'm starting to feel like I have an obligation to do the integration. I don't know what it's going to be like. And I feel, I just feel more secure that even if, um, I don't even think I'm as worried about being questioned or having my brand diluted. Like you're going to dilute it. How about this? I'm going to dilute it for you. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because I'm not interested in being legitimized through this other way, which I think is to come back. It is ultimately, there's a way that education and probably the social sciences that it has been legitimized that ultimately reinforces the racial elite. Well, if I continue to limit the work that I'm doing in the world to those technologies of legitimacy, then what I'm doing is reifying the racial elite and delegitimizing the other communities that don't have access to what the racial elite has. So almost in some ways that this integration, my commitment to social justice and social change is going to dictate that I take these moods, musings, and mysteries to my primary world and bust open that idea of what is legitimate. So that's one reason why I wanted to transfer. Um, one reason is I'm, com- I'm com- becoming more comfortable. Another reason is because I feel like it's an important part of my commitment to social justice and social change. And then there's this third petty reason. <laughs> it's petty, y'all. I'm just going to tell you, you can start judging me now. It's petty as all get out. But the third reason why in season five, I'm going to start moving some of this content over to my primary space is because, um, it's because of the type community. I believe the type community is indicative of everything that I want to cause change in the world. You know, it's, it's indicative of the world in which I want to change. The type community is, is quite indicative of the matrix. You guys have heard me talking about the matrix. If not, I suggest you go back because I'm not going to explain it now. I'll say it's the social world in a, in a very particular, in a particular way. And I'm as much as I love the content. I love consuming content from the type community. I love it. You guys, I do it all the time. There's another part of my experience that goes, yo, but wait a minute. But wait. How are you moving beyond the matrix? You're reinforcing the matrix. And it's dangerous for me This is what I'm wondering if I'm not going to ever really be able to be in community with the type community because I'm not getting ready to reify or I love that word. You guys know I love the word reify. I'm not getting ready to reinforce the ethos of the matrix. And so the actors of the matrix that benefit from the ethos aren't going to have a lot of value in me. So I'm going to, if I want to have a community that is going to talk about type, I'm going to need to go beyond the matrix or 
going to another community that's in the matrix that is not that doesn't necessarily benefit from the from the ethos. I don't know. I might go there. <laughs> I might go into my primary identity and <laughs> and I get ripped to pieces. And then I'll be like, okay, y'all, I'm back. I'm going to be doing a, instead of going back to 100 episodes a season, I'm like, I'm going to do 200 episodes a season. <laughs> right? I could get my butt kicked. But we'll see, right? That's just part of the process. So I think I want to, I want to build a critical, there it is. I want to build a critical community around typology. And the current type community is not critical. They don't, they don't, they don't have to be. And it doesn't mean that when I go into season five and I take a bulk of my content and I transfer it over, it doesn't mean that I'm going to stop consuming content from the type community. I don't, I don't see that happening. But I, th- I think it'll be better for me to bring the critical lens under my name and not under an alias. And I also believe eventually all of it's going to merge at some point. It'll all merge. I think the only reason why I will hold to keep these worlds separate is just because of the other work I do in this project is around the trauma. And um, that's something I still have to figure out uh, just because of my protectiveness of the family. And, uh, but I want to work on it. Like I, that's another thing I want to work on being, getting to a place where I can see how to integrate trauma talk in my primary space. I don't, I I don't know if that, I don't think that's going to be season five, but I'd like to get there. So, so that's, that's kind of. In some kind of stream of consciousness, that's really where season five is going to be. Um, is me like leaning into this project of consciousness, right? What does it mean to be conscious? And I'm going to come and con- I'm going to continue to talk about that text around consciousness because I'm nowhere, I'm nowhere near scratched the surface. But I think that there's a correlation between consciousness, personality, and change, social change. I really believe there's a correlation between all three of those. And in my primary work, I do want to promote change. I want to promote growth in a very intentional way. In this project, it's like, yo, I'm growing. If I'm going to grow out loud, and maybe maybe I can inspire you. But in my other work, I'm just I'm more like it's a little bit more. There's a little more dogma. It's definitely more information. I wrote down on a piece of paper this morning that this project, I think, you're in IDOM. Well, I think a podcast is three different. Podcasts can offer three things. Consciousness. Excuse me. It can increase consciousness. It can promote consciousness, information, and entertainment. I think I said that. Well, this is all about consciousness. Now on this project, do I give information? Yes. Do I entertain? Unfortunately, I'm pretty sure I do. Like, you know, when I'm in this, like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I've entertained you all. 
and not because I was trying to entertain you. <laughs> right? Just because I probably have just made a fool out of myself a couple of times. But my primary purpose is to promote consciousness, even though I've never said that, to increase con- my con- my own consciousness, which is what reflecting does. Reflecting increases consciousness. And I'm hoping to inc- promote that amongst my listeners. And then on the, you know, the side chick is information and uh, entertainment. In my other podcast, the primary work is information. It's information. And then the side chick is consciousness. And I hope there's no entertainment there, but I'm pretty sure there is. Yeah, there is because I've had people who've told me, like, and I don't usually talk about like, I we I will talk about race on that pod, that project, but um, hold on a second, I'll talk about race on that project, but I'm not interested in like I don't do a lot of, I don't think I do a lot of dogma, and I think there's only one episode that I made it. Anyway, I'm not going to open that up. But there are a couple of times where if there's another black person, I have other African-Americans on the show because I interview other people on that project. And then I've had some people who say, oh, I love listening to you when you're talking to other other African-Americans because it gives me an inside look into black culture and the black experience. Yo, I don't need to. That's not what I'm doing that for. (laughs) That feels like I'm doing it for entertainment purposes. Which connects to the tra- uh, the challenges I'm having at work, uh, because a lot of times people who want who talk about social justice and social change, they don't really want to promote the change, but the, the the idea or the act of talking about it is somehow fulfilling. It's entertaining, but you're not going to do anything to disrupt the structures that give you privilege, that give you excuse me, don't use the word privilege, that give you favor. That gives you the advantage. So anyway, um, so yeah, so yes. So what is season four going to be? <laughs> well, we're going to continue to do. I'm going to continue to do fifty episodes. I'm going to continue to do my disclaimers. I'm going to try to focus on. Um, I'm going to like one of the things I love about this project, how it has evolved, is that I might start off with a focus and then somewhere in the middle of the season, it becomes something. The real focus is locked in. So I don't I'm going to tell you what season four is, but I'm assuming that halfway of season four, something the real focus is going to become clear. All right. Um, so here's where I'm starting. Season four, I'm starting off with some things that I've locked in from previous seasons. Continue to have disclaimers. Continuing to have an assignment. Um, I want to really work on trying to go back to staying within, you know, if I go over an hour, just try not to go over 70 minutes. I really, really don't want to do any, I really don't want to do any episodes over 70 minutes. Well, we'll see. Um, one of the things I think I did better last season is that I was I was very I was more often I would stay this is where I'm starting I started to get more consistent with this is where I'm starting there were a few episodes I 
I couldn't. Sometimes when I try to set the episode up or the reflection up and tell you where I'm starting, because it's so abstract for me, I, I linger in it so long that it that the, the setup becomes the reflection. That's when that top, whenever it is, it's probably when I'm trying to uh, t- uh, access some pre-language, some pre-language knowing, and I just can't grab it. But but that's something I'd love to continue to work on, starting off with something very clear. And I think last season I also, and I did this in season two, but I did it more in season three, where I shared information from other texts. I'd like that. I want to continue to do that. And I want to get more. I want to get more comfortable around three particular themes. Like I think I think I've narrowed my reflections down to three main themes, and they are number one, the social world, and I'll do a lot with it. But I do think I do think that's a theme that it's, it. I don't do episodes strictly on something in the social world, but almost every episode, just like I talk about personality theory, almost every episode I bring up the matrix or something about the social world. So that's a theme. <laughs> and maybe in season four, I'm going to unpack those. I don't know. Um, another theme is trauma, right? And then the third theme is around the self, right? I've done so many episodes on the self. But I think ultimately... I'm interested in what I'm calling the spiritual self. And I've got a reflection brewing one day I'd love to give to you that there are, I'm I'm envisioning three realms of the self. And then um, I'm just curious to see how it connects to other frameworks around the self, like the id, the ego, and the superego. And how does that connect? How does my version of the self, self connect to those three dimensions? Um... So, I don't know. This is why it's been take it's take it. It took me a, a week into the season, in season four to to give you this episode because I still. And maybe season four isn't going to be different, but I just want to practice locking some of those staples in, a starting point, a clear ending with an assignment, with. Disclaimers that don't take 20 minutes. Remember when my disclaimers took 20 minutes? <laughs> so, like, getting those disclaimers down to a minute, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I remember when they took forever. And so, so that's it. But I'm going to continue to talk about do this reading on consciousness because I think, I think, I think consciousness is a significant part of this project number two in a way that I can't yet explain. And when I get to a place where I can connect consciousness and personality, whew, it's coming though. Mm-hmm. So, um, moods, musings, and mysteries, all of that, having a mood, having a thought, and like even in my exploration of otherworldliness, I don't think I talk a lot of mystery with you all. But it's maybe maybe that's something I can practice doing more in season four. And I think the more I talk about the spiritual self, you're going to get the mystery. It's in me. It's in me. I just got to find the language. So I'm going to continue to read this book that I'm reading or listen to it. I'm probably going to order the text so I can literally 
put my fingers on the word because it's a, it's a good text. It's really, really good. And then I can come back and give you the name. You can probably figure it out, but if not, I'll come back and give you the name later. You guys, if this reflection has had any value for you, please give it a heart. If this conversation about consciousness and um, being contemplative versus giving information versus entertaining. And this idea that a validity, like being coming on a podcast or going out in the world, if, whether if you have a blog or a Twitter account, a Facebook account, putting yourself out there, whether or not you have a following, are you legitimate? Whether you have a following or not, is your legitimacy located in the number, in the quantity of your production? Are you legitimate even if you don't have a following? If any of this talk relates to a conversation you've had in the world, please take this link and share it out. And if my moving about has caused some randomness in you, I would love to hear it. You can find me on my website at yournidom.wordpress.com or Twitter, yournidom1, or Facebook. Mm -mm, Not Facebook, YouTube, yournidom. Let me give you your assignment. Hold on. I'm going to give you a selfish assignment, assignment for me, but you're not going to give me the answer, but it is going to be for me because I'm going to get a survey out there to you eventually. And so this is going to prep you for that survey. Why do you hit the play button for this project? Seriously. (laughs) Even if it's entertainment, right? So is it about consciousness? Is it about information or is it about entertainment? Which one is it the most for you? Like what motivates you to hit the play button to listen to your NI dump? Increasing consciousness, gaining information, or being entertained? That's the first question. And I think the second question is um, what, a, what topic do you find? Like, so inside of being informed or building consciousness or being entertained, what particular topic? is of most interest to you. Information about the social world, information about the self, information about trauma. Yo, that's a that's a good way of saying it. What information do you most enjoy? That's information. And I'm not gonna ask you about when you're when I entertain you. I just can't handle it right now. <laughs> so anyway, we'll just leave that. Like what moves you most consciousness information or entertainment and then under information what topics are of most interest for you do you feel the most informed that you get information from do i want to say it that way trauma the social world or the self you guys it's been a pleasure hanging out with you until i come back be well bye